Welcome to Health Lessons. We are Lucy Bingham and Quinn Farmer, here to talk about the fifth leading cause of death in the U.S. today, stroke. Did you know that someone in the world has a stroke every two seconds? One out of every six people will have a stroke during their lifetime. Today, we will be delving into what makes strokes so common and so deadly. The human brain makes up 2% of the body's mass. It takes up an extraordinary 20% of the body's oxygen. This oxygen is supplied to the brain via two arteries, the carotid artery, which supplies the front of the brain, and the vertebral artery, which supplies the back. When people have a stroke, supply of oxygen to a certain part of the brain is cut off, and brain cells die, much like a heart attack. There are two ways a stroke can occur. A hemorrhagic stroke is when a perforated vessel allows blood to leak out. Hemorrhagic strokes are, are quite rare, only making up about 13% of documented strokes. But the more common type of stroke is ischemic stroke. Ischemic stroke is when a clot blocks the vessel and brings blood flow to a halt. Silent strokes are also very common. They are caused when blood flow to the brain is cut off, but there are no symptoms. They almost always lead to permanent damage. There are also warning strokes or transient ischemic attacks that happen when a stroke briefly keeps blood from getting to a part of the brain. These don't cause permanent damage and only last about a minute. Clots that lead to an ischemic stroke can also occur in many ways. On rare occasions, a sudden change in heart rhythm prevents the upper chambers of the heart from contracting normally. This stops blood flow, allowing platelets, clotting factors, and fibrin to stick together in a clot. After the clot is created, it is carried up through the arteries until it gets to an artery it can't pass through. This blockage is called an embolism. When this happens, the body diverts blood flow to the affected area. The brain doesn't have pain receptors, so you can't feel the blockage. But the oxygen-deprived cells slows brain function in the affected areas. This causes sudden, noticeable effects. Oxygen-deprived cells will start to die and cause permanent damage. The first treatment that first responders give is an intravenous medication called tissue plasminogen activator, or TPI. This is given to break up the blood clot. If it's delivered within, within four and a half hours of the stroke, this medication greatly increases the chance of survival and avoids permanent damage. Sometimes TPA can't be given because the patient is on certain medications, has a history of major bleeding, or the clot is particularly large. In this case, the doctor then performs a procedure called an endovascular thrombectomy. This procedure uses a fluorescent dye that eliminates the blood vessels under a strong X-ray. Then, the physician inserts a flexible tube called a catheter into an artery in the leg. The doctor maneuvers the catheter all the way up to the clot in the brain. A retriever is passed through the catheter and attaches to the clot. The catheter is removed along with the clot. If you think someone is having a stroke, remember the acronym FAST. The FAST test is the easiest way to tell if someone is having a stroke. The acronym FAST stands for facial drooping, arm weakness, speech, and time. Facial drooping. Ask the person to smile. A facial drooping could indicate muscle weakness. Arm weakness. Ask them to raise their arms. If one arm drifts downwards, that is also a sign of a stroke. Speech. Ask them to repeat a simple word or phrase. If their speech is slurred or sounds strange, this is also a sign of a stroke. Time. If they have any of these signs, call 911 right away. A fast response is the best way to ensure survival and decrease the chance of long-term damage. Now we have cardiac electrophysiologist Dr. Farmer, or otherwise known as Quinn's father, to give us more insight on the topic of stroke. Thanks for taking the time to do this interview. 
I know what you do, but can you say a little bit about your professional background? More than happy to talk to you. So I am a cardiologist. I've been practicing medicine for 14, 15 years uh, in Cambridge, right near school. And I'm a physician, I'm a cardiologist, and an interventional cardiologist, a cardiac electrophysiologist. And for the majority of my career, I spent treating the results of atherosclerosis and coronary artery disease by treating patients who had uh, arrhythmias and heart attacks and strokes. And more recently, uh, I've become much more interested in preventive health care and trying to prevent strokes and heart attacks before they, before they happen. Um, I've been feeling that we have somewhat of a reactive model in which we sort of wait till you have a stroke or a heart attack and then we take care of it as opposed to trying to speak to young people like you and maybe even a little older um, about things they can do to try to prevent heart attack and stroke. What are some common risk factors for stroke? Some of the biggest risk factors for stroke are the development of type 2 diabetes, uh, the development of high blood pressure. We're also seeing um, increased risk for stroke and heart attack in the middle ages, secondary to an epidemic of obesity and lack of exercise. So obesity would be um, not just really, really sort of large people, but sometimes just uh, when you're overweight um, can increase your risk for stroke and heart attack. Um, but one of the biggest ones that has been a driver is that our lifestyles, uh, and they, our young people have become much more sedentary. Um, so we see that there is a significant lack of exercise, not just time spent exercising, but exercising you know, appropriately to prevent heart attack. And if you just really meet minimal requirements um, for exercise, you can reduce your risk for stroke and, and heart attack by about 80%. Um, and one of the biggest ones that um, we thought we had done a good job with was smoking. Um, but things like smoking and now vaping uh, become a major issue um, for adolescents, kids in high school and kids in college, and that certainly significantly increases your risk of stroke. Do teenagers even need to worry about strokes? And if they do, what would you tell teenagers to help prevent the risk of stroke? Well, uh, the bad news is that the teenagers definitely need to worry about their risk of stroke. Um, so cardiovascular disease, which includes stroke and heart attack, is the number one killer and the most likely reason um, that you're going to die. So it's the worst cancers and everything else. And unfortunately, we know that from autopsy studies that teenagers um, who are not much older than, than you are start developing atherosclerosis in their teenage years. And this is the same process that contributes to what causes the plaques, that causes heart attacks, the same process that leads to the clotting, that causes the strokes. Um, that's the bad news. The good news is that almost all of this risk, um, so I know everyone in your class is really good at math, so 90% of that risk for your first stroke 
is entirely preventable, right? So if you do the right things, you can really reduce this risk and live a long and, and happy life. And some of the things um, that you can do as a teenager, probably the, the biggest is just not, not to vape or smoke. Because um, that, that's, the, that's the big one um, for teenagers. The other one is to start getting into um, more healthier eating, um, which is somewhat controversial, but the biggest thing that's gonna lead to high blood pressure and diabetes uh, and then stroke is gonna be diets that are high in processed food, high in sodium, all those things you generally like and want are really bad for you. And over time, they can cause damage to your arteries um, that can lead to plaque rupture and clot. And it's, it happens relatively quickly and we're seeing patients across the street at Mount Auburn where I used to practice and over at MGH where I practice now that present in their late 30s and 40s um, with their first stroke and heart attack because of this epidemic of, uh, of obesity and diabetes that is really driven by um, the poor diet um, and then the lack of exercise. So yes, I, I think there's a lot that can be done um, with, a, with a big focus on, on those three, three things, um, diet, exercise, and not smoking. Thank you, Dr. Palma, for your insight on this subject. If you'd like to learn more about strokes, you can visit the CDCA website so you can be more informed and protected from strokes in the future. We hope you learned something today at Health Lessons, a part of the seventh grade book class series. We are Lucy and Quinn signing off. And remember, think fast.